0: A podcast
1: one
0: production. Previously, we've had a fail story about me from my old flatmate, Rob. Well, our other flatmate at the time, absolutely hated taking a handbag with her on a night out. We were out at some bar years ago and as an alternative to a bag, she'd just shove everything into her pants. That's phone, ID, credit card and keys and lip gloss, the essentials. I never understood how that was more comfortable than putting your stuff in a bag. What if your lip gloss finds its way into a bodily recess? What if your keys went up your ass? But whatever, it worked out for her. That is, of course, until she had to break the seal this particular night and went to the bathroom. All her things, including her phone, splashed into the toilet as she pulled down her pants to pee. I still don't know whether she pulled everything out in time or, being three Midorian lemonades deep, just decided in the heat of the moment to just pee on her stuff and get it later. What I do know is that she did learn her lesson that day and now carries her stuff in her bra. In this episode, I talked to Fiona Faulkner about bullying, the biggest loser, and being yourself.
1: First underwear shoot I ever went on, uh, I was really nervous. Like, this is, you know, first time. In, in a set of, in a set, there's like, I don't know, it could be 10 people, males and females, and you just need to go out there and, like, own it in, you know, sometimes it's like G-strings and stuff. Anyway, I arrived on set and I was actually told, not told it was underwear, and I hadn't <laughs> groomed and I arrive and they're like oh so the underwear's in the room and I'm like what pardon underwear and they're like yep and I had to go up to the the makeup artist and be like oh my goodness I've I've never done underwear before and, and I'm not prepared like I'm I don't look it but I'm a hairy lady I am I live at the laser therapist live there I am almost a yeti so she had to give me a razor and I had to go and like prep myself and then like it's just so embarrassing, and then I'd like walk out confidently, like nothing had happened, and then just own it in front of all these people, and just not feel embarrassed, and drop the the robe and and just go. And then when they're like, okay, turn around, we're doing the close up of of your bum, and it's like a g string, and you're just like, oh my goodness, there's just like close up a of shot of my bum being taken. And then another like one of my first. Uh, not well an early casting I went to was for shapewear you know which every woman knows what shapewear is so I walked into this little room casting office and there was all these pieces of shapewear on the table and this very slender woman was looking at me and she's like okay what size are you I'm like I'm a 16 she's like rifling amongst the she's like we we don't have an extra large we've got a medium here just try and pop this on and it was like one of those like all-in-one numbers, ti- like didn't, like look like the size of my arm and the room was tiny and airless so I had sweaty top lip already going on and I had to just, she was just sitting there looking at me expectantly and I just had to like just do it, start stripping off in front of her, take everything off and then except for my G-string and bra and then start trying to get this thing on gracefully, which is impossible, especially once I'd started full body sweating and like getting it up, getting it up, getting it up. And like finally getting it on. But I looked like one of those like pork rolls with like string around it. And then the worst thing is trying to get it off. It kind of rolled itself into my stomach roll area in a roll. And then when I was trying to roll it down, it like my underwear got caught in it and they came down. (laughs) It was mortifying, like I tried to maintain dignity the whole time, but I was dying inside. Like I was actually dying. Thanks for doing this, Fiona. You're so welcome.
0: We've got a bit of a weird history where we both met working in reality television.
1: We did. Remember was, those days? Yeah. It was actually after I'd been a contestant on reality TV and I went back and thought, oh, I'm going to work in TV production behind the scenes and um, got given the job of sponsorship manager, which I had no idea what I was doing, thrown completely in the deep end. What
0: made you make that decision <laughs> to get behind the scenes?
1: Um, well, in, in all honesty, I'd come off the show and I, I got a job in PR, like a very low job. And then I wasn't really happy there. And and a friend was like, oh, I've, I know a job that you could possibly do. And I went and had the interview and I'd gotten, pre- I, I, my experience was getting chocolates and things for gift bags for events. And I went into this meeting with the, the production company, <laughs> no, not naming names, and said, um, you know, my experience, you know, I can, sponsorship manager, I've, I've worked, I've gotten, I can call companies and get products for gift bags. And they're like, great. Yep. You're on, on board. Right. So first up, we need you to get um, an airline on board for the show. We need you to get like a Bunnings, one of those. And then throughout the series, we need you to get things like cars, boats, holidays. And I was like, oh, <laughs> um, Right, onto it, not a problem, Gift got it. Gift bags are fine, yeah. <laughs> the other stuff. <laughs> I was like, what have I done? Uh, good times though. Yeah, a few, yeah. A few tears shed in that job. Yeah.
0: Oh, I think I, um, yeah, I was wardrobe assistant. I, I can't. <laughs> I only got there because my friend got the job through her stepmom. But then she had booked a month-long trip to India. So she's like, can you fill in for me for this month? And
1: um, I, d- I don't know, the first thing about wardrobe. Was <laughs> I like, was like, are you a stylist? No. Oh. No, no, no. I just was like, yeah, foot in the door. See, f- a foot in the door in any industry, it's all about who you know. Mm. Honestly, in this ind- in this industry, it's all about who you know. It does not matter what you've done or what your credentials are. <laughs> don't bother about going to university. Right. Yep. Exactly. Oh, I did performance art at university. I studied international Bachelor of Arts International Studies at University because I wanted to be a diplomat and that really is where I didn't end up. <laughs> but you can use those skills for sponsorship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was rough. I remember there was some there was contestants on there on that show we were working on where one guy was extremely homophobic and went on a rant about one of the um, main stylists, no, and didn't want to be touched by him and all that sort of stuff, and was going off, and so basically it fell to me to drive him around and take care of him and dress him because You're I was because I was a
1: Sheila. <gasps> oh, that that just yeah yeah you know how I feel about it, I just, that makes it was me so mad it was, and
0: they just sort of it, it just catered to it, and I didn't know any better. Yeah, I didn't know any better. I just sort of went along with it, and they was just like, "Well, this is TV, then, eh? Okay." Oh. Yeah, I had to take him to the Harley Davidson store to make him like that's what the producers said. You know, just he's feeling a bit upset. He's feeling a bit upset because he's coming off speed. That's what's happening. Oh. <laughs> that's the only reason. Take him to the Harley Davidson store and make him feel better. Good time. Yeah, yeah, it was full on. And then I, you know, taping the bottom of Sonia Kruger's shoes so she wouldn't scuff them so we could return them. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah that's that stuff. Da- that's that's, that's standard. standard. Something like that. <laughs> I've worked as a stylist too. Oh, really? Yeah, I worked as a stylist. And in, in one particular studio, I was a stylist and a makeup artist. That's also what I'm, what I started out doing, mm. and a model. All I need to do is become a photographer, and I could run my whole <laughs> <and> shoots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quick set it and then <laughs> set the delay on your on your
0: on your camera. Um, look, I guess we'll start right out. Uh, what does
1: failure mean to you? Uh, for me, failure is where I've set expectations for myself um, and, uh, and, and it's not, not, I've not met those expectations. Like they've fallen really flat. That's what it means. Okay. Yeah, sort of just, it's based upon, yeah, my own judgment. I've, I've learned not to really engage, like worry too much about what other people think. So my failures aren't a reflection of what other people think, but my, it's more my own, you know, if I, uh, go into something and, you know, I give it 110% and, and I'm expecting, you know, great things and it just falls flat. That's for me like.
0: Yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, you're a successful person, you're model host.
1: And what else would you describe that you do? Um basically a few things.
0: Um, influencer.
1: Oh yeah, that's the word I love. Um <laughs> but I do I do, do a bit of influencing. I MC events these days. Um yeah, I work with clients and shoot products, so I guess I'm an influencer. Um I'm still modeling, model here, model in Germany and around the traps. Yeah, that's sort of me. And a bit of writing here and there. Oh yeah. I had a had a column for a little while, but um yeah, yeah, I was felt like I was share, oversharing a little bit. So I had to pull back on that. I was like, I don't know. You didn't feel I'm, comfortable. Didn't feel comfortable with the, with, with the expectation of how much I'd have to share about myself. So I just thought, you know, that's enough of that now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I
0: saw that column. That was really yeah. good. The It was like a like a holiday sort of diary thing. Yeah. That just, was good. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. Yeah, it's interesting because people like really respond well to that personal vulnerability and stuff like yeah. that. But there is that feeling of, oh, I don't know if I want that out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I shared a lot. And then it was kind of I was getting to the point where I'm like, oh this like finding something to share that would be, I guess, click worthy was proving difficult. So and, and it was just going to take it into territory that's like, no I it's no one's real business, that kind of thing. So yeah, just put a stop to it there. Which some people do. They go into the
0: um, attention seeking
1: yeah, realm for yeah. the clicks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, clickbaity stuff. And I, I was just like, no. Um, so we've talked a
0: little bit about it, but how did you get your start to where you are now? I mean, it's, we've we've touched on it,
1: but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so f- I guess you could say it all started when I was a contestant on The Biggest Loser. Um, that was what fourteen years ago, and yeah, I went on a first series of a reality series. And it was before social media, it was before any of that kind of stuff. So it was basically me blindly going on something on a show to lose weight, because weight for me was always a struggle. And then basically after the show I had like fifteen minutes of fame where I sort of lived off cutting ribbons at gyms and stuff, which was a bit of fun. <laughs> going to the opening of an envelope. Um, and then I I got a job working in a for PR company and then did the the job in production. And then I was just kind of a bit, a little bit lost. So then I studied makeup because makeup, being a makeup artist is what I always wanted to do. Mm. Um, So studied makeup. And then through after like a year or two, I sort of fell into modeling through makeup. And then I started modeling. Oh, I during that period of time, I was doing a bit of styling as well. (laughs) So just to add it, because it just all kind of works together. Mm. Then I, yeah, through modeling, I did that full-time in Australia for about four or five years and then when I turned 30 I went oh I'm gonna go overseas and model and moved to London and modeled over there got made the face of a brand over there and that was amazing and then all my mates were over New York modeling and I was like oh I'm gonna go over there give that a crack so I headed over to New York and that was amazing and then I got the call to come back and host Biggest Loser which was just amazing like for me was just I was just in shock and amazement that they'd even consider me but um I came back and had a crack at that I did the um, the screen test and they said you've got the job and that was from pr- probably for me the most incredible moment of my life like I was just in utter shock like I've got no experience whatsoever <laughs> doing anything like that and they actually said to me don't go away and become a host like go don't go away and do classes and become a a host. Just, we want you to be you. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. And I think of all the host courses out there, like people are doing. I know. Well, I know. Well, I was like, okay, I've got a couple of months up my sleeve. I'm going to just go and quickly do a brush up on presenting or something. And they were like, don't do it. Can you describe a time where you feel you hit your lowest point? Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of times where I've been pretty low. I guess the first one was when I came off Biggest Loser, And I just thought that by losing weight, it would make me feel amazing, and I would all my problems would go away. But it's obviously not the case at all. And losing weight is just like a band aid to, you know, all the underlying issues that I that I had. So I regained the weight really quickly, and I was, you know, I just sunk pretty low. And then I ended up going to a health retreat and sort of talking to a counselor there, and they were like, "Whoa, (laughs) you got some issues, girl." Anyway sort of started to work through that and just went got to a point where I was like okay pulling back from everything and all the pressure to lose weight all the external pressure to be a certain way and um, just cutting out any negativity from my life pers- like friends anyone anyone who wasn't a positive glowing happy influence on my life cutting cutting them out and just focusing on everything that made me happy and just everything in my life does this, this make me happy it does great if it doesn't not doing it and just slowly you know, built myself back up from there. Cause I got, I was a pretty broken person. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I had some toxic people in my life, um, that were just negative influences. You know, for me, um, I was going out a lot and drinking a lot, which is always not a good thing when you've got mental health issues. Um, and, you know, and their, their encouragement and things like that to continue doing that, that, that for me, I was just like, I have to pull, I've just got to cut them out of my life. Cause that's not, that's not healthy. You know, if it's if it's not someone that you're going to catch up with for coffee and or brunch and have a normal chat that they're just mates that you go out and get wasted with, like they're not they're not proper friends, like they're just mm-hmm. they're really negative. It's just get get rid of them. If your relationships based on alcohol, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's not a relationship, that's no. just the
0: devil. <laughs> <laughs> you say there was pressure after mm. after leaving biggest loser the first time. What's that like? Because
1: it's it's like not everybody will experience that level of um, scrutiny. I mean, I'm really glad I did it now. But at the time, uh, you know, my weight had always been my biggest, my, you know, the thing I was ashamed of and everything in my life was based around my weight. And then I went on the show and then obviously coming off the show, I literally put the thing that was my greatest, uh, like the biggest, most awful thing in my life on display for the world to see. And so everyone and everyone felt like they'd been on this journey with me and, and knew me and I came off the show and people felt like they knew me and could just come up to me and, and talk to me and and and, I, and I, it sounds ridiculous but it was because it was before social media so people couldn't reach out to me on social media and so I'd come out and my friends would have to make kind of like a barrier they, because people would just be coming up going, oh, my goodness. And it was kind of a novelty in the beginning but then it got, it got really overwhelming, especially when I started regaining weight and people that there was really a lot of negativity and, you know, guys in particular would be like, you know, you know you're know, you the girl of the biggest loser, you're fat again, um, how much do you weigh now? People yelling out stuff from cars, people coming up to me in the supermarket, like looking at my tr- basket, should, you know, what's that? People making comments to me if I'm out eating or if I'm drinking, like should you be drinking beer? you know, you're, you're fat enough already, stuff like that, just constant, constant. And so I was at a place where I was I, I like I said, I got quite severe depression and I, I got anxiety leaving the house. I I would try and train at nighttime just because I just didn't want anyone to see me. I was living in Manly and I'd go running at night and just trying to maintain my weight or, l- or lose weight. But because I had, um, I suffered from anxiety related eating, basically, binge eating. Um, and I'd never had that properly addressed. Um, I was just going back to that. So the weight was piling on and I was I was just like, I just didn't know how to deal with it. And so it just, it, I've kind of like my life, I just imploded a little bit. I
0: can't actually imagine what that must be like going through that. That's like, that's what people go through now on Twitter, but it's, it's, or, or online, online bullying, but it's online bullying. It's online
1: bullying. You can turn people, a computer off. Have people actually say that to your face? Everywhere I went. Everywhere. It was, so I, I, became, <laughs> I became a recluse until I would go out at night and then I'd obviously drink to make myself feel comfortable out in public situations, which is ridiculous. Like it's just, it's awful. To th- when I think about it now, I'm like, I cannot believe I lived like that for so long. Mm. I was so incredibly unhappy.
0: You just don't realize it's going on at the time. Yeah, you don't recognize the actual yeah triggers and symptoms and behaviours when you're in it.
1: No, no. When I came off the show, I was you know I'd grown up in a small country town in in Victoria with 600 people. I'd been to university for a couple of years, but I was still pretty naive um, and young and and had not a real clue about things. And I I was someone that I, I easily trusted. Um, if someone was nice to me, I always just sort of looked to the best in people. So over the, the, in the beginnings of my career, especially, I had a lot of management and agents and things like that. And, you know, it would sign contracts blindly, believing that my agent had my best intentions at heart and did did jobs where I thought that they, you know, had a a, a pathway for me to to help me proceed. But in actual fact, a lot of the times it was things that I should probably not have done and they were doing it because, you know, they got a percentage of it and it benefited them. They weren't looking long-term, they were looking short-term. And yeah, just the, the blind faith that I had in people. And over the years, I have learned to really look into the, you know, have, have more of a say, like, like for me now, with especially with my social media and brands that I associate with, I try and make sure they're really organic. Like they're brands that actually I use or wear or, you know, because it just it doesn't work if it's not organic. I've learned that lesson. If it's not something that's really true to you, people see through it. They see through it 100%. They're like, oh, you're just doing that for the money, which don't get me wrong. We've all, I'm sh- pretty sure everyone, if they're offered a sum of money, you know, you, you you take it. To, oh, you know I turned down a dildo company. So did I. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so did I. <laughs> I use the stuff that I get reached, and see that that's the thing. That's like, my one and only uh, offer, and I still turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's the th- that's what I mean. Like, there's things you know, I got offered to promote phone covers and electrical appliances the other day, and I'm like, this, that's. It, it's not organic and I, I don't even know how I would try and promote that and it just doesn't feel real and I don't, I don't know. So for me now I'm, I'm more about just, you know, and my partner's really supportive. She's like, if I tell her the things that they're asking me to promote or do and she's like, don't be ridiculous. Some of it she's like, hilarious, let's yeah. do that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you give an example
0: of something that you were doing and you kind of felt like, oh, this isn't me at the time? Well, this isn't right?
1: I did. I was, the, I was the ambassador for a dating company for a couple of months. Won't name names. Yes, obviously was going on there and to date men. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm engaged to a woman, um, and I couldn't figure out why at that point. Like, why am I not finding anyone? And they were someone that was just straight people on there. Right. Right. Yeah, hundred percent straight. So I was. Like for that now, I just laugh at it. I'm like, what and I th- and I think it comes from a Christian background as well, which is pretty funny. Anyway, the, the dating app. Yeah. Anyway, I won't go too. <laughs>
0: that's see, that's that's got to be funny being yeah. in there going. What am I
1: doing? <laughs> I was like, just I'm not getting it. I'm not gonna spark with any of these people, and then now I know why. Yeah. Makes sense. So, you're not one of those people that like always was like 100% I, I No. Oh, okay. No, because I, like I said, I grew up in country Victoria. There was no one, I didn't know anyone. There was a couple of boys down the road that my mum's gardening buddies, and I'm pr- pretty sure they were a gay couple. But apart from that, like I grew up till I was like, not till I moved to Sydney. So, I, on Biggest Loser, I'm pretty sure Artie, my mate off the Biggest Loser, who was on the show with me, he was the first gay guy I'd ever met. And prior to that, there was no one, like a few of the guys I went to uni with, they've come out now as being gay, but no, like no one was out, no one I knew. So it was never even something I considered and I wasn't around gay people. And I'm, I'm attracted to gay women, not women in general. Like I've never had to explain that to all my girlfriends, like guys, you're fine. (laughs) I don't look at you and, and think, Hey, how you doing? Like it's, I'm, I'm attracted to gay women. And I was never around gay women until I came to Sydney and I sort of had found some gay mates and we'd go out and we'd go to ARC and I was like, oh, wait. And I'd get like butterflies when I was around gay women and I didn't really know what that was. And I just kind of went, oh, well, I've had a few drinks and it's just that, you know, may have had like a dance floor pash or something, but never really imagined that I could have a relationship with a woman, never considered it. And then, yeah, I went on holiday South America and was with and there was a gay girl there and we got together and instead of me walking away the next day or you know I spent you know time with her and was like like I said earlier you know I was at a point where I was like focusing on happiness and I was like this makes me feel good this this is I'm I'm really this is nice this is me being myself 100% which I'd never really been able felt that I could do when I dated men and I was like, this is something, a feeling I've never really felt before. And, and I had to make that decision to, con- if I was going to continue it coming back to Australia, people were going to find out. So it was a really tough decision because I was, you know, it's not just like I could come back and suss it out for a couple of months. And if I came back, probably someone was going to pat me or someone would out me and, and then everyone would know. And my, it's something, you know, if I wasn't ready to tell my parents, my family, it was a tough decision but I went, you know what, makes me feel happy, I'm going with it and
0: I went with it. And, and you own that information going out, not, yeah. not getting papped or anything like that. Yeah, I, we,
1: sta- we stayed, uh, when we got back to Australia, like we didn't go out and date in public for about four months. We just kind of stayed in, stayed at home for four months and then we did eventually get papped coming out of a supermarket holding hands. I think I was carrying a chicken. <laughs> 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 so glamorous. <laughs> And then, and then it was out. And then, and then I obviously, actually, no, I I I that had told my family before that yeah, okay. and, and they were fine. They yeah. were like, we're just happy someone wants you.
0: <laughs> You've been <laughs> oh, single God. for 10
1: years. Someone take it. Anyway. Oh gosh. Yeah. So that was that.
0: It's extraordinary to think about the things you're describing before social media and times when no one's out and things like that. It sounds like a different time, but
1: I think we're pretty young. I well, I mean, I'm I'm 36. 35. So, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a different it, it's, universe. It, it's a different universe. Back in the day, no one like no one was out, like no, no one. And now half like I I remember being at uni and being saying to mates like I'm pretty sure that person mm. is gay. Like you kind of knew what and but they wouldn't ne- they were like no, but now they're out now. And and I'm I, yeah, it it makes me really sad, but yeah. Do you reckon it's. The, I don't think it's. It's. It's getting better. Do you think? I think it is. I think yeah. it is getting better. And I. And you know what? My hope is that that me being out and open and you know, it's nothing like. It's just love. It's just loving a human being. I fell in love with yeah. a person, and yeah. it doesn't matter, boy, girl. It's just. It's just love of a, another human, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just whatever makes you happy. Yeah, and, and makes you feel loved and safe, and that's all it should be about. And you've done the. The hard yards to get to that point. I dated a lot of men to to find out that, no,
0: it's not for me. <laughs> I dated a lot of men to find one that messages me back on time and shows up on time. <laughs> right. Which makes him a prince yeah. <laughs> compared to everyone else. Yeah. It's just normal behaviour. It's just manners. It's
1: just manners. Thank you. Yeah. So can you pinpoint a time when you felt the happiest and most fulfilled in your career? The time when I felt so at peace with myself and that I was on this amazingly the right path was when I was studying makeup and working as a makeup artist. Because my dream when I left school was to be a makeup artist. It was what I'd always loved. And my parents were like, you I got my TER <laughs> and they were like, You're actually a lot smarter than we thought you were. You've got the grades to go to university like your sisters. Off you go, young lady. And I went kicking and screaming. I was like, you promised I could go to a makeup school. And they were like, nope. Well, if you do, you're on your own financially. Use that old card. Mm. And um, so I was sort of forced to go to university, which in hindsight, I truly am grateful to them for making me do that. Because I think if I went to study makeup straight out of school, I don't know where I'd be right now. I could potentially just be, and not that there's anything wrong with that at all. But I know myself, I get really quite comfortable if I'm in a safe job. I'm like oh, I'm I'm sort of like if if I was at a makeup counter or something like that, or I would just probably still be there. Mm. Whereas the industries I've worked in, it's all, uh, nothing's safe. Every job is like, could potentially be your last job. So you've got to just keep pushing forward and, and believing in yourself that work's going to come. Like it's, it's rough. It's, it's rough. It's, really tough.
0: You get yeah. to that point, particularly, you know, at the end of the year where you're just like,
1: oh man, is it going to fill up next year? It's yeah. pretty quiet. If you ask any model, it's it can, you go through periods where like last week I worked every day, which is actually un- very unusual mm. in Australia to work every day. And that was me traveling like to different, st- like flying. And it was a lot, by the end of the week, I was like, oh my goodness, modeling every day. It's not what I want. <laughs> I like like a couple of days a week it's- kind of what I like mm. but they, yeah. sometimes it just all bunches together but that's good. And what would you say your biggest achievement is? My biggest achievement would probably be hosting still yeah that, that for me was I've, I feel like I've reached the peak of my career I don't think I could I guess hosting a TV show for me I look at it and I think oh wow that that was I still pinch myself a moment thinking about that mm. and so for me now I'm I'm sort of like I'll I'll just just get try and eke out an existence, just do whatever kind of job comes my way that that inspires me a little bit and and that I enjoy and is sort of get like has makes me be around people that I really enjoy working with. That's kind of like I'm not kind of, I don't know, I guess I really need to reset some goals because at the moment I'm just like just cruising a little bit.
0: No, but I think that's healthy because sometimes I find that I can get too fixated on like this has got to happen by this time and I've got to get there and if I don't then it's all over and stuff like that. Like that's sometimes – I'm like that's not healthy. Yeah. I think being like present of a day-to-day, like this happens today, that happens tomorrow and I'm fine with it. Yeah. is healthier. I don't know. Well, I
1: feel like when I was doing all my – like mo- like this really driven part of me, like moving overseas and being like oh, I'm going to oh, go do this, do this and, you know, ended up – doing like reaching my peak. That was during a period of time when I was single. Uh I I wasn't really attached. I was I was kind of just like that was all I had, if that makes sense. I yep. was just focusing 100% of my time on me and my career and where I wanted to go. Whereas now <laughs> I'm not. I'm you know, I'm engaged and yeah, in love congrats. and we just bought a house and we've got <gasps> dogs and like all of the the good fun stuff that I've you know, I was single for about ten years, pretty much. I dated, so that was my time. I feel that I was like, now I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just want to be at home with my dogs and my wifey.
0: There's other stuff. To, there's <laughs> other stuff to worry about. Yeah, more important stuff. You know, yeah, to be like rather than needing stuff to be needed is
1: different. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And you get to that point in your, thirties, well, and you kind of go, oh.
1: What really matters? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm at that that stage right now. So for me, I'm I'm just more about you know I want to, I want to earn enough money to live comfortably, and it's it's not really about like putting notches on my belt, like oh, I accomplished that. But that said, who knows? You know, in a couple of years, when my priorities change, <laughs> yeah, 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 fully. <laughs> I'll probably start getting really focused again, and being like, all right, what am I? What's my goal? Next goals. Yeah, but for now. We're but just, for now, we're just kind of chilling and enjoying life. You know, I I feel like I worked really hard for, you know, a few fair few years and just did the grind, did the you know, in my industry, you'd be aware you have to. It's grind, like it's the the grind. It's the constant reaching out to people, constant you know, I don't know. I, and I'm just just taking, just pulling back from that a bit and just focusing my personal life, which is
0: nice. What's the biggest Le- lessons you've learnt
1: from failures or mistakes or... I would say the biggest lesson I've learned is to be a lot more involved in uh, the, you know, the the decisions about my career, meaning read contracts, really think about what the next moves, like if your agent's throwing things at you um, and, and throwing contracts at you, like really sit down and read them and don't just be so blind and believe that everyone's got your best interests at heart. Like the... I've taken a lot more I guess control you could say not control like I've still got an agent and things but I'm a lot more vocal in what I, I would be like no I'm not doing that and yes I'm doing that and I feel a lot more empowered doing that because yeah it just I know I'm I'm the only one in this industry that has my best in- interests at heart yeah there's no one else and and so I I yeah make sure that I'm a lot more in control of it yeah All right, we'll just wrap it up there. taught me a few lessons as well. (laughs) Thanks, Fiona. No worries. Thank Thank you you so much.
0: Thanks for listening. To share your fails with me, you can contact me on my Facebook or Twitter at Greta Lee Jackson. Fail with Greta Lee Jackson is presented by me and recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia. For more episodes of Fail with Greta Lee Jackson, head to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app or look me up on Apple Podcasts.